Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Corey Shalibo, co-founder, president, and CEO at Weil. Weil is a holistic plant-based wellness line for grown women, 40 plus, rooted in hormonal and emotional balance. Created in partnership with endocrinologists and naturopaths, Weil is led by a team of seasoned entrepreneurs. The company aims to serve the 30-plus million midlife women that are affected by hormonal imbalances and issues. We are so excited to be chatting with Corey today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am beyond excited to be chatting with you today. For our listeners, could you introduce yourself? Absolutely. My name is Corey Sholabo. I'm the president, COO, and co-founder of Weil. And Weil is a line of supplements for women over 40, uh, addressing all of life's changes and needs for women in the second phase of their life, but particularly also covering the areas of perimenopause and menopause that have become so much more part of our lexicon these days. I love that. It's such an area that we don't typically think about, I think, because in today's age, we're so focused on, you know, the Gen Z's, millennials mm-hmm. here and now, and kind of like poo-pooing or kicking the can down the road and we'll address it when it's important or that time of our life is different or not important. I think the first thing that comes to mind is you're a male and you <laughs> are the, the co-founder and president of this company. What made you attract to this space and how did you go about, you know, starting it? Yeah, so my co-founder Gwen Floyd and I went to high school together. She's our CEO. So we've known each other since we were 14. And she had started a company, well, many companies. Her last company was called Soko, which is an ethical jewelry line. And I was at a company called Repurpose that I founded. And we make compostable tableware. My path to here was PR and marketing. Then I was an editor at a magazine for a few years called The Advocate, the arts and entertainment editor. And I was sort of noticing that while I was in the LGBT fight, particularly around Prop 8, that the environmental movement was becoming a more a bigger thing. Like An Inconvenient Truth was coming out. Adrian Grenier had a show. We were talking about it. Peacock had like the green peacock. You know, it was just like the first time that it was above the line consciousness. And I just felt, well, the most important thing beyond even our civil rights is going to be the planet for us to have civil rights on. So I got very interested in sustainability. I met my partner at that time, Lauren Groper. She had an idea for a company that made compostable tableware. I jumped on board with her, and, and that was 12 or 13 years ago. We started that company, and our mission was to eliminate plastic and styrofoam from the environment. And it was a really, really beautiful mission. And we at first got laughed out of every room. You know, people, I'm telling you, the buyers at every major store would say, green is a trend, green is a fad. It's not going to, you know, this is not a big, de- this is not something we're going to focus on, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, we would convince them to give us one skew on shelf. Like my first customer that was a big score was Safeway, this buyer named Brian Estabrook, who's still at Albertsons, gave us one skew in Safeway. And then, it, you know, and then he gives three skews. And then the turtle straw thing, right? Do you remember the straw and the turtle? Oh nose? my God, yeah. So that was a real tipping point for us because we already knew all of this, right? We were way ahead of the curve. And when that happened, then suddenly the people who'd given us one skew or three skews were like, we need 13 skews tomorrow. So it was a huge inflection point. And then we grew the category so much 
that private labels started coming in with 13 SKUs, right? So that's when you know a category has reached its maturity. So at that point, you know, I'd sort of sold a lot, you know, Walmart, CVS. I felt like I'd accomplished a lot of things. The company was still going and was very, you know, in good terms. Actually, on its own terms, it was going to be fine without me. So I was kind of looking around for what to do next. And Gwen came to me and said, you know, I want to do something around perimenopause and menopause. And I said, okay, I hadn't thought about that. And um, she was like, I promise you, this is like really interesting. She is early perimenopausal. She's very vocal about it. Her mother went through a very, very violent early perimenopause as well that affected their family intense. I don't want to say violent, like, but like a very intense perimenopause that affected their family intensely. So she was very passionate about it. And then simultaneously, our other co-founder, Julie Kuzinski, who is an amazing brand expert, but just a genius marketer. She and I had worked together. We met through the founder of Mrs. Myers, and she had worked on Repurpose with me, and we were working on some other projects. We have a podcast together called The Eco Echo. She had come to me, never met Gwen. We never had the conversation and said, I want to do products for perimenopause and menopause. I'm like, okay. And then simultaneously, my best friend, Judy Greer, the actress, was you know noticing things were a little bit different after her 40s. We'd always wanted to do a business together. And I said, look, okay, all the smartest women I know are talking about this. Something's going on here. And so we looked at it and I was like, oh, why don't spaces get disrupted is the question, right? Like, is it either because it can't be disrupted or no one's bothered to disrupt it? And, you know, the first premonition that I always have, the skepticism is maybe it's undisruptable. I will tell you, the Tabor category is really hard to disrupt. It's very big. It's very profitable. It's very price driven. It's, it's a tough category. But I looked at this and I was like, oh, this is 50% of the population for 50% of their life. And okay, so that's a huge market. Why is it not addressed? It must be some reason. And we really kind of discovered that it was just, I mean, patriarchy, just utter ridiculous cultural stigma where we don't address aging. We don't talk about people in certain periods of their lives. Gwen has this great theory or thesis around naming stages. Like you can't participate with a stage of your life if it has no name, if there's no common shared language. And so we know what the maiden looks like, the young ingenue. We know what the mother looks like, you know, we know what motherhood. And we know what the old wise woman looks like. But there's this big gap, this like 40-year gap. What do you call that woman? What do you call a woman who's the same age as J-Lo or Cynthia Nixon or, you know, um, hell, even Kamala Harris? Like that is a whole range of different variations of 40, 50, 60. And we've been calling it grown, that you're a grown woman at that phase in life, because we need language to operate around it. And when we saw that there was this huge gap, then we went to retailers and said, hey, is there a market for this? And lo and behold, they were desperate for it. And I don't mean just us, I mean desperate for this woman, this customer, they realize that after she's a mother and before she's a grandmother or an old lady... They have nothing for her. There's nothing between, you know, maternal care, period care, and, you know, diapers and Motrin. Like, but most of your life, the most dynamic years of your life, arguably, are in that period where you've established your career, you've had potentially had children, maybe not, but at least at that point, you've already probably gotten through that. They're, they're getting a little bit grown. You're focusing on some of your personal goals again, and maybe your career is taking a new... It's the most dynamic phase of your life. So... To me, it was just a no-brainer. And once we realized that there was a market for it, you know, I was like, I'm in, let's do this. I love that so much. So my mom is in this stage of her life and she went through menopause early due to some health reasons. And I think what I find really interesting about this space, and I want to hear what Wile is doing differently, is how are you marketing to this age segment, if we're calling it the grown woman? Because I think in 
it, at that age segment, if we're talking 40s, 50s, 60s, where you're still super active, you know, these women want to be active. They want to be living their best life, but they're also not the millennial or Gen Z that's spending most of their day on Instagram or TikTok and finding out through new companies that way. And I think they're focused on efficacy. Everything I talk to my mom about is like, she's going to prescription medication for hot flashes mm -hmm. or menopausal issues because, you know, that's what her doctor recommends. She's not necessarily going to take something over the counter, the same as like an ibuprofen or something for something as like big as a menopausal hormonal issue. So like, how are you guys kind of tapping into the marketing component of while? Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, your mom is unique, actually, statistically, because women, when you survey them, are strangely and unnecessarily terrified of hormone replacement therapy, HRT. And it's very effective. And there's a lot of reasons why it was killed and whatnot. But there's also a lot of, you know, concerns and issues around it. So nine out of 10 women will tell you they are, would like an over-the-counter supplement instead of a medical intervention. Part of it is that this phase of life isn't a disease. It's just something that's happening. It's a totally normal part of your life. And so the kind of medicalization of it is a little bit difficult for some women. Part of it's based on this nurse's study from 20, 30 years ago. I encourage anyone to go research that and research the ways in which it was flawed. But the reality is women want over-the-counter treatments. They do not want to engage in, and I just say that statistically. I, I can't speak for all women, but statistically from surveying, they are uninterested in the OTC, or sorry, in the um, HRT, and are interested in the OTC. So we really saw the market as being much easier to penetrate, much more serving her now and her needs and her wants going the supplement route than the difficulty it would be in the HRT route, which by the way, you know, we love telehealth companies addressing this, but you might need a mammogram, you might need a pap smear, you might need blood work. It's not the same thing as the, you know, the unicorn Roman model of erectile dysfunction where you just email somebody and you get a prescription. So it's a little more complicated than that. And we just felt like we were serving her here. So I think to answer your question, I think we don't have that problem. I think to your point, women are very concerned, particularly women at this age group. They're not putting just anything in their body. They've been sold a lot of snake oil over the years. And so you really have to win them over on science, win them over on efficacy, et cetera. So our products were blended by a naturopath, uh, naturopathic doctor, Dr. Jillian Stansberry. And she's been treating women in this phase of life for 30 years. This is real-world practical applications with these herbs. These herbs and plants, by the way, many of which have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years and have been working effectively before we even knew what Western medicine was, they're very powerful. And then we combine that with one of our scientists who comes from a major vitamin company, and we got the efficacy and claims that we, that we could really take to this woman and say, look, I promise you these are going to work. And then we tested it, and they did. So it's really about winning her over in that capacity. And the beauty of our approach is that we've already cleared Whole Foods supplement mm -hmm. claims, and we have nine SKUs going into all Whole Foods stores starting right now. Wow, that's huge. There are a couple of other consumer brands on the market that are, quote unquote, addressing you know this hormonal space. Womanness, I know, as one mm -hmm. pretty big in this space. If we're talking efficacy, like what makes Wild unique and different, and why am I going to buy Wild versus something else that's on the shelf? Yeah, well, I love that there's so many people interested in the space and we feel that, you know, the rising tide will rise all boats. We really need all of our 
colleagues to succeed and because the market is looking, is watching to see if there's a market for her. And one or brand here or there not doing well feels like a market signal when it's really just figuring out who the customer base is. You know, most of those brands that you mentioned have really strong offerings in the topical space and really Mm -hmm. went hard there. Now, a couple of them do have supplements as well. And I haven't studied them extensively to speak to their efficacy. But most of what they're offering is usually a pycnogenal, which is a kind of like a phytodopamine, almost like a calming agent. And a lot of women in this phase of life, when they go to their doctors, are prescribed antidepressants for uh, perimenopause and menopause because it does actually calm the nervous system and there is a nervous feedback loop, the nervous system feedback loop. What we've done is treated all three systems, the endocrine system, the nervous system, and the hormonal system. And so what we're doing is balancing the entire group because what happens for her is that if you're stressed, for instance, you your body's, your progesterone that your body is creating, it's going to hijack that progesterone and make cortisol. So if you're going to treat the hormonal system, let's say you're just going to take primrose oil or uh, red clover or something that's in like amberin or estrogen, some of these older market, that's only one part of the system. And so you're actually just going to be hijacked over and over again by the nervous system and it's not going to be as effective. Same thing with topicals. How do you start to treat the outside of the system without balancing the internal system? And what we believe is it's the hormones, you know, it's the hormones, babe. Like, it's a superpower. It's the root of everything. And if we're going to walk around the edges and give people bath salts and creams and stuff, that's great. But if we don't go into the center of the universe and balance that core imbalance of hormonal uh, changes, we're really just playing whack-a-mole or kind of putting band-aids on things. You brought up an interesting point, which is that I think so many people don't realize how much impact hormones have like on the body it's everything um, it's literally everything it's literally, and, and and not just women like we're all just hormonal creatures yeah if you had to give like our listeners out there the number one piece of you know misconception or things that people get wrong about hormones what do you think that would be well for women the number one concern that is pretty grossly inaccurate is that estrogen causes cancer or that hormones cause cancer. That is why you have to really go back and figure out why is it that we came to this conclusion? Why did this one, this nurse's study, this billion dollar study that happened, they studied these women, they gave them HRT, and some of them developed cancer. But the study is so flawed, it didn't pre-screen anyone for cancer. It didn't even pre-screen women to find out if they, pre, they currently had cancer when entering the study. It is so flawed. And it's run by a bunch of men, and there's a really great book called Why Estrogen Matters, which you can read, which will tell you about the rise and fall, the death of HRT. That was really a feminist technology. So it really scared women out of hormones in general. Now, there are certain conditions, and everyone has to talk to their doctor. My friend had breast cancer that is incredibly estrogen-hungry. So for her, even soy milk is not a good idea. But that is a very, very small percentage of the cancers out there. And we've lumped everything into one bucket. So women are actually being deprived, the majority of whom actually need this help because of a fear of being the 0.001% of people who can't. And there's very simple ways to sort of discover this. So I think that's the number one misconception is that a hormone equals negative, but hormones are our superpower. I mean, I would like more testosterone. I don't know about anyone else. I mean, within reasons, and testosterone is even more complicated than estrogen and much more related to changes in the body that you have to be concerned about. Estrogen is actually the more benign of those. So There's just a lot of misconception around hormones. I think it's going to be a lot like fat or, you know what I mean? Remember how we weren't allowed to eat any fat for forever? Yeah, and then it was like, 
keto is your best friend. So, and we should all be eating like pounds of just like coconut oil. So yeah, it's exactly. Probably- Here's the trick. Like most doctors don't have any, GPs don't have any study in menopause at all. And most OBGYNs get like an afternoon course, an afternoon four hour course in menopause. It's insane. This is half the life of their patient and they don't study it. And these women go to these doctors and like, oh, you're not in perimenopause, but I'm feeling all these things. Oh, you're fine. When did your mom go through it? Oh, you're fine. You're fine. I'm like, but I'm literally feeling crazy. They're just gaslighting these poor women and then maybe giving them an antidepressant or too much estrogen. So we're going to put you on the pill, which is a thousand times, you know, so many times more estrogen. So women have to, unfortunately, go on this journey a little bit on their own. And what Wiles here to do, and what I think this huge revolution in this age group is here to do, is help them, right? Give them information, give them education, and give them choices between going to your doctor and being gaslit and sitting at home and suffering. There's got to be a broad range of choices. We're talking about half the population. Some women are going to want over-the-counter therapies. Some women are going to want medical intervention. Some women are going to want nothing in between. This is about liberating women from feeling like they had no option. Yeah. I want to um, talk about like the product portfolio a little bit of while. So first of all, the brand is like absolutely gorgeous. So anyone that's listening, you need to at least just, if you're not in this age gap, but you need to go look at how beautiful the brand is and all the bottles and you'll yeah, see them on the shelf uh, of Whole Foods. That's Julie Kuzinski and our designer, Abby Hadikan. I'm going to give a shout out to them. So can you take us through, so you guys have pills, which are supplements, and mm-hmm. then you also have some tinctures and drinks. And not only do they have the most fun names, but can you take us through what these different offerings are? The supplements are designed to build a core foundation, and they're meant to be taken every day for extended periods of time. So it takes two or three weeks for some of these herbs to build up the kind of support we're trying to offer. So that's the foundational support. And you can kind of pick your way in. We designed a portfolio based on need and also potentially age group, for instance. The first sign, generally, of perimenopause is irregular periods. Women don't even realize they're entering perimenopause, but they're having irregular periods. And that's sort of how it halos in. That can be as early as 35, you know? Yeah. So the period support capsules maybe gets that millennial customer who's aging into their um, 40s and wants some support. And then they can see the pathway, right, to their future being taken care of. You got your hot flash formula, which is generally happening a bit later in the cycle, although I know so many women in their 40s in very early perimenopause having hot flashes. And by the way, if you're ever curious about just ask any woman. They will start to open up the topic. You will find out so much information. I had no idea any of this until I just started asking everyone I knew, and most of my friends are women. So there's that, hot flash. And then we have our perimenopause support in the middle, which is your basic general foundational support. And then we have one for stress. Now, the beauty of the capsules is they're designed to be layered. So you could be taking the perimenopause support, and then you develop more severe hot flashes. You add on the hot flash support. On top of that layering system is the tinctures and powders, which are designed to be fast-acting relief agents. So they're not building over time. You're, they're going to have a, you know, a very quick reaction. We call them unanger, unworry burnout relief. These are very powerful herbal supplements that actually do make you feel less burned out or less worried or less angry. And that's, you know, you're fast acting, reach into your purse, grab your tincture. And then the powders are meant to be a little bit of an addition to that. For instance, our Trank drink would be very calming at night. If you wanted to take that before bed or maybe just in the middle of the day with your tea, it's not got a sedative per se. And then we have one called Stave the Crave, 
or we also call it drinking your feelings. It's going to be stave the crave on a shelf and, and moving forward. But the idea of that is like the world's first stress eating chai. Like when you're reaching for that chocolate, when you're reaching for that late night item, which by the way, increases in this phase of life, some of these hunger cravings, some of these cycles, let's drink this delicious, nutritious, adaptogenic filled powder to suppress the appetite and create this sort of full feeling that makes you feel like you've had a treat. What a beautiful portfolio. I mean, the names just speak volumes and I love them so much. I want to move to our favorite part of the podcast, which is our rapid fire. And I'm going oh. questions at you and just give me whatever feels good to you. <laughs> I look forward Your to it. Your biggest regret. I think my biggest regret as an entrepreneur, I'll give an entrepreneur advice, is is holding on too tight too long to certain things. You know, things have a breath of their own. And I think when you take people's money as an entrepreneur, you really feel this really strong impetus to stay to the very end and see it through. And I think as entrepreneurs, especially if you're truly an entrepreneur, it's about starting things. It's about finding the right people at the right phases. And I think we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to defend the money we took or defend ourselves would really, you know, everyone knew what they were going into. And it doesn't even mean it's what's best for the company, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's true. I think, I mean, that even speaks beyond just entrepreneurship. We, I think as humans, <laughs> yeah, true. hold on to things too long and makes it hard to let go. Yeah. Guilty pleasure. You know what my guilty pleasure is? Chocolate chip and... I guess it's peanut. No, it's chocolate chip and cashew. I don't know. Go macro bars. Uh They have like, they have a lot of flavors. I eat go macro bars. I mean, go macro if you're listening, like I'm supporting you single handedly. But my my husband is obsessed with the fact that I'm just burning through all our money on go macro bars. So that's my guilty pleasure. At night, I like to have my chocolate chip go macro bar as my little snack before bed. I love that. I don't know if that's like a, I mean... Everyone has their own guilty pleasure, but that sounds like a pretty like healthy. It, it's not guilty enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't need a chocolate chip go macro bar at 11 p.m. I mean, I'm still probably 200 calories of, and a lot of sugar, but yeah, I guess it's not super guilty. No, you know what another one is? Adam Sandler movies. I hate to admit that they're funny. Oh. I mean, I've been enjoying great. them lately. They're great. I was like, uh, they're beneath me, but then I was watching them because everyone's sick all the time now. And I'm like, I really love an Adam Sandler movie. He's so great. He never disappoints. <laughs> he never disappoints. So you have your own podcast in the sustainability space. What mm-hmm. is your favorite product right now or consumer product in, in in the sustainability world? I recently met a couple of guys out of Portland who have an electric toothbrush that requires no battery and no charging. And it's called Goodwell, goodwell.co. And they you crank it six times and it runs for the two minutes. And... I hadn't seen anything like that in a long time. And that was probably the first thing in the sustainability space that I've seen in years that was really interesting to me. A few years ago when we first started the pod, and I never interviewed him and he said he would do it, but then I never followed up because it didn't make any sense. It was two years ago, Air Company. Have you heard of Air Company? Yeah. It's vodka from oh, air. Like yeah, they yeah, yeah. It it's from vodka made out of air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. actually looked at that company. Yeah. So they it launched like two years ago when we launched the pod and I looked at the website and I was like, I don't, even reading their website, it was like, I have no idea what you're doing or how this works. And I reached out to him. He's like, sure, I would do an interview. And then we didn't do it because it didn't make any sense. We should have, because now I think they're worth like a billion dollars or something. But that is really interesting. I would like to learn more about that. I like the companies that are doing things, you know, just like a little crazy, a little too crazy, (laughs) but still 
back on earth. Lastly, your dream podcast guest on your podcast. Oh, wow. We talk about this all the time. Who would come to mind? God, I'm really blanking on this. I mean, one of my dreams was, well, I didn't know it would be my dream was Craig Dubitsky, mm. who's on our pod from Hello. He's a really great guest. One of the things I loved about what he said, and I didn't know this about him, I would say this is one of the few pieces of advice that stuck with me forever. When he wanted to launch the site, he asked them if he could just put his phone number on the site. And the web designers were like, no, that's crazy. And finally, he got them to agree to put a Skype on there. So if you, I think today, as of today, you can still go to Hello, which just which sold for hundreds of millions of dollars to like, whatever, SU, I can't remember the name of the acquirer, one of the big guys. And you can still Skype him. So he would like be gardening and you, any customer, could Skype the CEO and be like, what's in your toothpaste? And you're like, well, I'm glad you asked. Here's da 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 And I think he still does that. And I just love that kind. If you can keep that kind of connection to your customer, uh, that's amazing. So I guess I can't think of somebody a dream right now, but I, that was a dream. That was a really great piece of advice that I took with me. I love that. We like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So what are some things that you do on a daily basis that make you the best version of yourself, be able to show up for a while, be able to show up for your family and keep you going? My number one thing is sleep. I'm a big need. I I need a lot of sleep. I sleep like eight, nine hours a day, maybe more if I can. So that's key. We got a dog that really Mm -hmm. helps because it takes me like, even in a meeting, I'm just like, let's wrap it up. I want to go walk the dog and I'm really focused and present with the dog. We, I, an investor introduced me to Future, which is a personal trainer app, which I've been trying to do. I feel so bad for my personal trainer though, because he's still recording those things and sending them through. And I'm like, not today, son, not today. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm traveling. I'm sick. I'm traveling. I'm sick. I take a lot of supplements as well. I'm a big fan of supplements. I'm definitely throwing my lot in with the biohacking of resveratrol and NDM or NMN or whatever the hell it is. And so I try to take all that stuff, you know, just cover your bases. But I don't think anything really tops sleeping and, and exercising. The same thing about hormones is people don't realize the importance of sleep. I know that I need to be better about my personal sleep hygiene, but I think, you know, everyone has a work in progress with it. And I think there's (laughs) that we can be doing, but now it's summer. So hopefully, you know, that's better. Who knows? I don't know. Where can our listeners learn more about while you can go to whilewomen.com and read up there and subscribe and save. We're also at Grove on Grove and we're also in Whole Foods. So you can go pick up some product there. Amazing. Corey, thank you so much for chatting today. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness and we'll see you next time.